Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. I am Anna Jaworski and the host of this program. This is the fourth episode of season 12 and our theme this season is organ donation and transplantation. Today's episode is called Still Waiting for a Heart. Christiana Whalen is the mother of three, two heart-healthy sons, and Jay Lee, who was born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome and an intact atrial septum. She had the Norwood procedure at three days of age. She went into heart failure, which prevented her from being a candidate for the second open-heart surgery, the bidirectional glen. Jay Lee was listed for a heart transplant at three months of age, and sadly, she passed away at four months and nine days of age. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Christiana. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm so happy to have you on the show so we can talk about Jaylee. It's always really helpful and healing for me to get to talk about her, so I'm looking forward to this. Wonderful. Why don't you start off by telling us about Jaylee's condition? Because not all of my listeners will know what hypoplastic left heart syndrome is. I went in for a appointment when I was 24 weeks pregnant with Jaylee. The OB was doing his ultrasound. At the end of it, he looked at me with a worried look, and he told me that something was really wrong with Jaylee's heart. At that point, I didn't know the extent. I had one of those out-of-body experiences where everything was spinning, and I couldn't really take in what he was saying. Over time, we found out that she had hypoplastic left heart syndrome. It's called HLHS sometimes. Mm-hmm. Basically, what that means is she was missing her left ventricle and her heart. So she didn't have the left ventricle. That's imperative for survival. It's not one of those things that could have just grown back or corrected itself. Then we came to find out that she also had an intact atrial septum, which made things even more complicated. There can be some blood flow through the atrial septum that gives a little bit of wiggle room, I would say, when a baby's born with HLHS, but Jaylee's was closed. It was intact. And so she needed immediate intervention at birth. She needed catheterization as soon as she was born. We didn't get to see her or anything. They had to intubate her and do that cath right away. And then she had her follow-up Norwood, as you said. She had her Norwood at three days old. So did they start her on prostaglandin as soon as she was born to help try and keep the PDA open? No, I don't think so. It's crazy. It was a C-section and they had me... Oh, wow. They didn't even deliver her in the OB area. It was in the surgical area. So they had three operating rooms, one for me, and then one set up in case she needed open heart surgery right away, and then another team set up for the cath. Wow. Yeah. And so they took her. I asked if I could see her, and they said, I'm sorry, we got to take her right away. Oh. I don't even know how much she weighed at birth because they weren't able to weigh her before they put all the equipment in. It's surprising that you said you couldn't even have her weighed because I just did an interview with somebody else earlier today 
And she said the same thing happened to her. Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. I've never heard of that before. That's very unusual, right? Most of the time, even if your baby is born with a heart problem, they still have enough time to go ahead and weigh them and they can at least show you the baby. But wow, isn't that surprising that it happened that way? Was this your first baby? No. So we actually have an older son. He was two when Jaylee was born. They're both June birthdays. She's our second. Okay. Okay. So you had experienced childbirth. You knew what was supposed to happen, but this was your first child with a heart defect. And so probably a lot of that was unknown to you. Yes, exactly. It it was totally unknown grounds and just not what you expect. You know, you think about motherhood Mm -hmm. and you think about pregnancy and all those little things. It, It was definitely not at all like what we were expecting from the moment we got our diagnosis. Absolutely. And so for those listeners who may not understand the importance of the left ventricle, it's the left ventricle in your heart that pumps the blood to the whole body. So if that part of the heart is hypoplastic, which means too small or non-existent, then you have real trouble because the heart will not be able to pump blood to the whole body. And of course, we know the brain especially needs that blood, needs the oxygen that that blood provides or else you'll have catastrophic problems. And that's why they had to rush her away so quickly. What they'll do in that procedure immediately before they can even do the Norwood procedure is put a little hole between the atria. That's why they were saying she has an intact atrial septum. What that means is the septum, which is the piece of material that separates the two atria, there was not a hole, which means there was no way for oxygenated blood to get to her body. Yeah, And so that's what's so scary. She wouldn't have been able to get enough oxygen as soon as mommy wasn't doing it for her. And so it's just a critical thing. That's why every baby is born with what's called a PDA or a patent ductus arteriosus. That's a teeny tiny hole that allows for some oxygenated blood to cross over. And that usually closes within the first 10 days of life. There's a drug that they have called prostaglandin. If that drug is administered right away, it can help keep that open so it doesn't close too quickly until they can get into the operating theater. So, wow, Uh, talk about an emergency procedure and talk about being scared. Yeah, we're terrified. Yeah. So did she ever get a chance to leave the hospital? Yes. So we were able to bring her home three different times, anywhere from two days to I think it was seven days she was home the longest. But that was even really difficult to have her home because she was on oxygen and she had a G-tube and we just felt so anxious all the time trying to basically keep her alive at home. And so each time it became really obvious that she needed to be back in the hospital. And so we'd go back through the ER and get readmitted. And I think we always felt a little bit relieved when we were readmitted because we didn't feel like she should be at home. She just was never stable enough to really thrive at home. Having had a baby with hypoplastic left heart syndrome myself, I know that what scared me was I was not a nurse or a doctor. And I was so afraid something would happen because I was ignorant of what could happen or what some of the warning signs were. And so I can imagine you must have been terrified. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I assume that neither you nor your husband have medical training either. 
No, no. I mean, she didn't come home until she was about a month old for the first time. So by then we were very involved in her care and, you know, knew how to use the Mm G-tube, knew how to to do all of those things. But no, we did not have any type of medical background. And so for those listeners who don't know what a G-tube is, a G-tube is a feeding tube that is put inside the baby because the baby, in this case, probably lacked the energy to be able to eat Mm -hmm. enough to keep her alive. It's very complicated. There's so much going on that I can understand you would feel more comfortable with her being in a hospital where she had round-the-clock care. Yes, yes. We were also very thankful to have that time home with her. Mm -hmm. You know, it's time we'll treasure forever. And we were able to take her on a couple walks. And, um, you know, she had that time with her brother at home. So, um, you know, we're very thankful for that as well. And of course, you want your child home and not in the hospital, but you also want them to be where they're safest. And for her, we felt like that was the hospital. Texas Heart Institute were offering us a mechanical heart and he said, no, Dad, I've had enough. Give it to someone who's worthy. My father promised me a golden dress to twirl in. He held my hand and asked me where I wanted to go. Whatever strife or conflict that we experienced in our long career together was always healed by humor. Heart to Heart with Michael, please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. I am with Origami Owl Jewelry, and we personalize lockets. It has helped me heal so much by having that locket. I've had other friends and customers who have created lockets. They love their lockets, and they gift lockets to people who are bereaved, or they're celebrating somebody. To get your own Origami Owl locket, contact Nancy Jensen on Facebook or her website, fancydancyme.origamiowl.com. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Christiana, in the first segment, we were talking about Julie's hospitalization. What did the doctors tell you about transplantation? Was transplantation her only option? So my husband and I were prepared for the three stages of surgery, which would be the Norwood and then the Glen and then the Fontan. And we had just always assumed that's the process she would go through. And we hadn't even really thought too much about transplant. I think when we had asked the surgical team during my pregnancy, if that was an option, they had told us that that would be more of a last resort and not Mm -hmm. something that they typically choose to do. And so we just hadn't really researched that option or thought about it. And so Jaylee had her Norwood and then the heart failure really never improved. She continued to just be in really poor health. The doctors did a couple of different catheterizations that ended up showing things still looked really bad in her heart. After one of those catheterizations, the surgical team told us that they did not feel she was a candidate for the Glenn surgery, which was just, I mean, it shook our world up because that's just what we had assumed was going to happen next. That's what we were preparing for. And so to hear that, yes, it definitely shook us up and um, took us off guard. But then I think we're the type of people that once they told us what they wanted to do, that they wanted to do a transplant, we just kind of dove into that. The transplant process, just to get on the transplant list is a process. It was about a six to eight day process of interviews and meeting with different members doctors, psychologists, everyone wants to make sure that if they give this baby the precious gift of a donor heart, that we were going to be able to take care of her and that 
basically that she deserved this heart. And we had to kind of prove that to the team. And then the team went before this committee and they ultimately decided to list her. They listed her with the highest priority. She was a status 1A, which meant if there was other babies or people her size that were generally more healthy, she would get a heart first. And so I think we had a lot of hope in that, that she was high priority and it was likely she was going to get a heart. Wow. I had no idea it was such an ordeal. I mean, I knew that there were some interviews, but you make it sound really scary that you have to go through and to prove that she is a worthy recipient of this heart. Yeah. Wow. Even six to eight days when you're in the hospital and you're sleep deprived, you're stressed to the max, you're wondering how you're going to manage all of this and still take care of your heart healthy son. And I'm sure one or both of you were also working. Were both you and your husband working? My husband was working. Thankfully, we had a lot of family support. So one of us between my husband, myself and our family, one of us was always with Jaylee. Wow. Which I'm very thankful for. That's, yeah. that's wonderful that you had that kind of support. So tell me what yes. you would tell another family who is in the same situation you were in and their baby is waiting for a heart. You know, that's a really tough one. It's a really tough one. I think as a culture, as a society, our first instinct is to tell someone, oh, just be positive or just pray really hard. It'll happen. But as we know, that's not always the case. I think that for us, looking back, hearing that, we're like, okay, so what did we do wrong? Did we not stay positive enough? Did we not pray hard enough? But I think the reality is, is that there's not a lot of donor hearts available. And so there's a chance your baby might not get a heart. And I think it's good to be hopeful. It's good to be optimistic, but also to live with that reality and to savor each moment with your child and to not take that time for granted, that time waiting for a heart. I was talking to my husband last night and we were saying, you know, we were looking ahead to how we were going to care for Jaylee once she got that heart. We do feel like we really treasure that time with her, but the reality is there may never be a heart. And so I think as a family, you have to prepare for that. I know that's not a positive, fluffy thing to say, but it's our reality. And that's really all I can share with you. Right. And that's why I wanted you on the program today, even though we didn't have the fairy tale happy ending that we wish you would have had. I think you have a valuable story to share. I think Jaylee's life meant something. She was valuable. And we can learn from Jaylee. She may not have been able to grow up and play with her brothers, but she's still part of your family. She's still with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Well, what was the most valuable lesson you learned from Jaylee? We learned a lot of things, I think, through Jaylee and through her journey. She taught me... She taught me a lot. She taught me strength. Here's this precious newborn baby girl who's getting poked and prodded. And she still was smiling at, I don't remember, you know, eight weeks older, whenever baby starts smiling, there she was smiling at us through all of this. And I think I look back on that and I think, you know, if she, if she could fight Mm -hmm. and smile and do it, I can do it. You know, I can carry on without her. And I will carry on without her for our family. And so she taught us that. She taught us love and how to love. And as a parent, how to love our children fully through the hard times and to realize that each moment is a gift. And so I think 
her life taught me not to take a moment for granted and just to savor that time with our other children and to savor the memories we have of her. And then with our faith, I think, you know, after going through such a trauma, it definitely shakes your faith and not that we walked away from our faith. I think it's a journey. It's definitely a journey, Mm -hmm. but I definitely have more of an eternal perspective than I ever had before. As a Christian, I always was thankful for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and thankful for heaven, but I never I never was so thankful as I am now, knowing that we'll get to be with Jaylee again. And even if we're on this earth for another 50 or 60 years and we're grieving her during that time, that's nothing to the time we have with her in heaven for eternity. And so I definitely think about my faith a lot more now. Wow. I don't think you can experience something like this without having some kind of crisis of faith, but it sounds like you've come out stronger on the end. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's definitely a journey, and each day is different, but I couldn't have walked this journey without it, for sure. Well, and it sounds like you had so much love and support from your family that maybe yeah. this also brought your family closer together. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. It sounds like you've had an amazing experience that could have been devastating and destroyed you. And instead, it's lifted you up. Yeah, I think so. I think it definitely just makes you cherish the things that matter. Home Tonight Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Christiana, before the show, you told me that you've adopted a little boy. What was the deciding factor in choosing adoption to expand your family? I think I've always wanted to adopt. As far back as I can remember, it was something I wanted to do. So for me, it wasn't a plan B. It was plan A. And after my husband and I got married, it was something he was open to as well. Um, I don't 
Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm super thankful for that. We had children biologically first and, and then after Jaylee passed, I think it just became clear to us that it was what God had next for our family. Again, it wasn't a plan B. It was like, okay, this is plan A. This is where God has us right now. We always have wanted our children close in age. So Jaylee and our oldest Ezekiel were two years apart, which we were you know, so excited for. We wanted them to have siblings close in age. So we didn't want to wait a whole lot of time to have another child. And I was still healing from the C-section and there was just a lot of factors that made it clear to us that, oh, hey, now is the time to adopt. We felt a lot of peace about it. And so we knew it was time to move forward. And we didn't wait very long to start the adoption process after Jaylee passed. We waited a few months, prayed about it, focused on our grief. And then we really felt now is the time to move forward. And as soon as we got going with the process, it was just really clear that we had made the right decision. It almost feels like this was a sign from God. You don't want to lose a child to have God's plan made clear to you. Like I I would never choose to lose a child, but I am thankful through the heartache and, and the trauma we walked through that he was gracious to allow us to have another child. And so we're you know, we're so thankful for that. We're thankful for the gift of adoption. Yeah. Oh, I just love the way you said that because it is a gift. It yeah. really is a gift. Well, tell us about your adopted son. Our little guy is eight months old already, and Aww. he is just, he's a joy. He is such a sweet, little mellow personality. He's just smiling all the time, and he and his big brother are already best friends. It's just, it's so beautiful for us to watch them together, to watch them become best friends as our baby is getting older, it's just really fun to see our boys playing together and lighting up when they see each other. Our oldest Ezekiel won't go to bed without snuggling with his baby brother. Aww. And so, yeah, we're just, we're so thankful for that. And so are you thankful. taking a million pictures, Christiana? <laughs> yes, we are trying to take a million pictures. Yes, for sure. There's Aww. never enough pictures. We're just, we're trying to savor it and the time is flying by and yes. it's so different having a healthy child when you mm. just appreciate each milestone and each day. We're just so grateful and so grateful to have our boys, to have that time with them. Well, it sounds like your family is remarkably close knit. So yeah. I'm wondering how you're going to tell your new baby about Jaylee? We talk about Jaylee every day. Ezekiel has, our oldest son, has a really good memory. So even though he was two when Jaylee was in the hospital, he remembers a lot of things. He remembers going and playing in the playroom and being with his sister, listening to lullabies with his sister. So he still talks about Jaylee every day. And it sounds like they're good memories. Yes. So I think it's just a natural thing that our youngest is just going to grow up learning all about his sissy. You know, we do spend time at her gravesite talking about her and thinking about her. She's never far from our mind. We love saying her name. We love talking about her. Still a daily part of our life and of our conversations. So do you have any special traditions? It's so early yet, but... Or have you thought about any special traditions that you want to have that would include Jaylee? We had a Facebook page where I would post all her medical update during her fight, during her journey. And we continue to use that page to 
kind of process through our grief and share memories of Jaylee and share pictures of her. And so that's really, really a helpful thing for us. Mm-hmm. It's on Facebook. The page is Jaylee's Journey of Hope. So it's just always such a blessing for us to have that that place to talk about her and to share. Okay, now I'm just yeah. rambling. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. You know what? I think that unfortunately in American culture, and maybe it's different in other countries, I really hope it is, it's almost taboo to talk about losing a child. People yeah. shy away from that. And I think that's yeah. such a pity because it doesn't give you the time to process your grief. I mean, no. this is something you are going to live with for the rest of your life. But since you're a Christian, you have the faith and the belief that you'll be reunited with her again. And while that's comforting, and I'm glad that you have that, it doesn't take away from the fact that you miss her every day. Exactly. So yes, in our minds, our family is an eternal family. She's always a part of our family. Mm -hmm. And so when people don't talk about her or act like she's a taboo topic, it's hurtful. Just like I think it would be if you didn't talk about someone's child who's still living. Right. And so we try to bring her up as often as possible. And I guess her Facebook page is kind of a place where even when I feel like people aren't acknowledging her or people have forgotten her, I can still talk about her and everyone Mm -hmm. has to listen. (laughs) Well, exactly. You know what? And for me, processing having a child with hypoplastic left heart syndrome was extremely difficult. I had, just like you, I had a son who was heart healthy. I didn't expect anything to go wrong with my second pregnancy because my first pregnancy was normal. And I didn't find out in utero. I didn't find out until after my son was already born. And it was so hard for me to process it that... I ended up turning to writing, and I know that you're a writer too. Yeah. Do you find that the writing is therapeutic for you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's so therapeutic for me. I think sometimes I go through stages where I just can't write because I don't I don't know what to write anymore. Mm-hmm. In those times where I can really release and let it out, it is such a breakthrough in the grieving process. Yes, that's the perfect word, release. I just lost my mom. Oh gosh, I'm going to start crying. I just lost my mom in February 2018, and it's still very fresh. Like yeah. We're recording this show, and it's been less than three months. In addition to writing about it and the writing helping me to process what I'm going through and not having my mother anymore... But like you, I'm Christian, and I know I'll be reunited with my mother again someday. But I just did a program with Heart to Heart with Michael, and I helped write the script for the show, which was therapeutic. And I wrote out all my answers ahead of time so I could process how I would talk about her to honor her. Yeah. To make her memory something valuable to others as well. And that was therapeutic for me. So I think it's good that you have that Facebook page and you have people there who probably have been with you on your journey from day one. Absolutely. Yeah, I like how you said that. It is a way to honor the people we've lost, to write about them and to carry on their memory because there's nothing worse than losing a family member, but then to feel like their memories being forgotten, that just increases the pain. Yep, we can't let that happen. (laughs) No, we definitely can't. We definitely can't. As long as we keep remembering them, they're still alive in in some way. You know, they're still alive within us. And I think that's what we have to cherish and what we have to hold on to. Thank you so much for coming on the program with me today, Christiana. I really enjoyed visiting with you. 
You too. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been really nice talking to you. Well, I enjoyed it myself. Even if we did share a few tears, that's okay. Yes, yes. Friends can share tears. That's that's absolutely. part of the therapy too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's definitely healthy and much needed sometimes. Yes. Well, that concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today, friends. Find us on iTunes and subscribe. And remember, my friends, you are not a love girl. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.